The following podcast is a production of The Network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. Hey, everybody out there in podcast land, and welcome back to Let's Talk, but no politics, okay? I'm your host, Andrew Lenz, and welcome back. So, two things I love in the area of entertainment is movies and sports. I've already had an episode about sports movies, done a whole sports movie bracket, tournament, and everything else, but it got me thinking, what about the coaches in those movies? Some we hate, but others we love or grow to love. So what makes a great sports movie coach? And why do we love some and hate others? So today I have Derek Jaws of Hats, Tats, and Stats and the Tip Tip the Hat podcast to discuss this topic. So without further ado, how you doing, Derek? What's going on, man? Thanks for having me. No, no problem. I know we we talked about this before doing this, so you were like the first person that came to mind when I was looking for people for this episode. Which I appreciate. You know, we uh, we ran our own uh, sports movie bracket a while back, and uh, that's actually kind of kind of how I, got, I ended up getting tied in with uh, with the network and those guys. And it's uh, it's been a lot of fun being part of this group, and I'm you know glad to. I'd be making like I think this is like my third or fourth guest appearance on somebody else's podcast, and I love doing it. So, yeah, I've always I, I've run this by myself, so I'm always looking for co-hosts. So, I got a list of topics. If you, I'll send them to you after the show. But you said you ran your own. I know I saw that also. Who won yours? I believe I want to say it was Miracle. I don't really recall. Let me see if I can pull it up quick. Let's okay. see if I can dial, dial back the Wayback Machine here. Because I was really irritated. It sounds horrible, but I was really irritated that Remember the Titans won mine. And it was just me and my friend, we picked like our top five favorite sports movies. And then Matt threw in another two because I needed fillers. And of course, he was like, oh, Remember the Titans. And then it ends up winning. And I think it beat out the Sandlot. And it just really irritated me that it beat out the Sandlot. Yeah, I was, uh, when I went back through ours, you know, I, I saw, like, there were a lot, like, I, I, I didn't like when a, when a movie, like, you know, uh, the Mighty Ducks took on and beat, um, like, Durham. Well, Durham's such a baseball movie, but it's underappreciated one because it's a baseball movie. And I'll, okay, I'll even go as far as watching. Uh, okay, so mine came down to Remember the Titans and <laughs> Rocky Four. Oh, okay. And I believe Remember the Titans won, if I if memory serves. Let's see, there we. Rocky Four. Yeah, and you know, so the way the way we broke ours down was mm-hmm. we went. Um, we basically picked, we split the brackets up between sports played on grass and sports played on not grass. So okay. you had baseball and football essentially on one side with some golf and maybe a soccer movie or two. Mm-hmm. And then your hockey's, uh, fight movies, basketball, stuff like that. Um, 
those types of things were, you know, on the other side. So that's how that played out. And um, I believe Rocky Four, I think, actually beat Miracle on the way to the finals. Uh, I know Miracle made it pretty far. It was just a matter of, uh, you know, personal preference. And, you know, we, we saw a lot of uh, a lot of age group coming into, coming into play. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so that was, that was interesting. Like I said, I, I remember being irritated, like uh, watching a movie like Major League make it farther than a Bull Durham or the Natural or for the love of the game. Because, again, those to me are, are true sports movies where Major League, which I love, is, oh. you know, on, on its own, you know, it's a comedy of, based around a sport. So, yeah, okay. I'm a big fan of Major League. So, what? I mean, again, I I am too. Don't get me wrong. It's, yeah. You know, but but when you're talking like a sports movie, to me, like, you know, that's it's not a it's a comedy about a sport, not a sports movie. But uh, again, that's why if it was up to me, I would, it wouldn't have been fun because it wouldn't have been voting. <laughs> so, what goes into making like? What do you feel goes into making like a great? sports movie coach do you like the ones that are a little bit more lovable or do you like the ones that you kind of just they make you hate in a way um i I don't know if it's that simple um i mean so we're we're talking coaches and if you look at some of you know some of the some of the best movie coaches it they're, they come from movies based in reality. Um, you know, watching, like, I mean, we talked about a few times, Miracle, you know, mm-hmm. watching that movie, like, I, I, I get that he's a hard ass and he sucks, but at the same time, he's awesome and I want to run through a wall. So, but, you know, can, can you call that, like, you, well, you're creating a sports movie. Well, you know, you, you pretty much had the blueprint written for you. So is that a good sports movie coach? No, that was a, movie made about a good coach in real life yeah but they could have taken some liberties with them as well um, true because like moneyball they took some huge liberties with that with, with the way that they laid that out i think johnny damon was still on that team so i mean hollywood will take liberties with anybody possible or anything just to make a dollar so I, I think when we break this down, I, mm-hmm. to me, you know, you, when you talk about a, what makes a good movie coach, you're talking about a guy who maybe is coming from kind of a crappy situation, you know, has kind of either, it's, it's one of two things. It's either a guy coming from a crappy situation but is in the middle of a redemption arc or a former a former coach or athlete getting a second kick at the can. Um, you know, if you want to look at guy, you know, so varsity blues, for example. Yes. Um, I was waiting for this one. That, that, that dude was a long standing coach and he was an asshole. I mean, yeah. shooting, shooting his athletes up to, to fight through injuries and just, he didn't care. It was all about the wins and your body and your future be damned. That's not a good coach. He may have like broken all the records in the movie and everything, but I mean that, that's not a good coach. That guy's no. a dick. So, you know, to me, like that to me, that doesn't get it done. But uh, you know, on the other end, you take a guy, you know, let, let, let's take uh, Gordon Bombay. Okay. You know, here's here's a guy who got you know had, had a shot in the pros, ended up 
you know, having some legal issues and his community <laughs> ser- his community service was coaching this ragtag team of kids that can barely skate and, mm-hmm. you know, turns them into a district champion and then somehow into a junior Olympic champion and then passes them off to some prep college and makes them somebody else's problem. Uh, I, it's, the whole thing is just funny to me because, like, you look at that and you're like, on one end, you're like, oh, you're a good coach. On the other end, like, well, you're a former pro. You should know what you're doing. And the fact that on countless occasions, you won this team over, almost lost them, then re-won them over, then almost lost them, and then won them over again. But I, are you a good coach or are you kind of a bad person? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about Gordon Bombay. I, I think what it looks when you look at it is – I want a guy in a coach that has a lot of kind of one-liners, you know, or very, <laughs> or very calm, very calm. Those are the ones that I go with, the very calm one-liner coaches. Um, rough, rough around the edges in a way. I look at uh, – Major League, <laughs> good old Lou Brown. Lou Brown. Lou Brown. Lou Brown. Um, I love him. Uh, and the coach from Bull Durham, where he just both both, co- both coaches from Bull Durham are fantastic. Yes. The uh, the the old the old man and the younger guy that just play off each other. They're fantastic. Yes, I love. I I go more to baseball movies because I think it's easier to make, but. Those guys are guys that I see. And the only football coach that I ever watched where I was like, I really like this guy is if you've ever seen Necessary Roughness, uh, Wally Rigeldorf. He's just got that, you know, that gravelly voice. And he's just there for the love of the game and doesn't want to do anything more than what kind of he has to do. But then he steps up. Those are the guys that I want. I want a guy that's not so soft but a little bit harder. And like I said, a rough around the edges. I think those are the ones that I always like and enjoy. You mentioned Miracle. Herb Brooks is a great, great example of something like that. And a guy that you want to run through a wall for, like you mentioned before, those are the guys that I really like. And I like those guys. And I even look for those traits when I'm, when I'm thinking about what coaches I like in professional sports today. Yeah, and, you know, looking – I actually was able to pull it up here. Uh, where to, the coaches from Bull Durham were Larry Hockett was the uh, the younger one. And the – I just have here. Uh, Joe Riggins was the, uh, was, the, was, the, was the manager of the, of the Durham Bulls. So, um, you know, one of the uh, – Gene Hackman is Jimmy McGinty in the replacements was terrific. Yes. Um, you know, and, and there's a guy, you know, he, he was considered older, maybe washed up and he, uh, you know, just picked his ragtag group of guys and took them a minute to get them together. But I mean, they ended up beating a legit pro football team to make it to where they got to, you know, and mm-hmm. again, great one-liners. Um, you know, I a great example, you know. Just so all you all know, if anything like this bar fight ever happens again, there'll be no place on this field for any of you. That being said, I'd love to have been there to watch him get his ass kicked. Like, yes. great, fantastic. Look, give me that guy more. Like, yes. I think Gene Hackman, even you can look at Hoosiers. 
how he walked into the situation of this team where this was the town's life and he completely turned everything upside down to the point where these people hated him but yet there was what was his name Jimmy who did not want to even play for the team after the old coach died and then they're having this town meeting and he walks in and everybody is like Jimmy's going to be on our side Jimmy's going to be on our side but Gene Hackman character won over Jimmy and he says I'll only play if he's the coach yeah that was a very like pivotal point in the movie and it made you say wow you know this guy can this guy can change the feeling of one kid and then all of a sudden the whole town falls into play so that's what I considered a great you know character or movie coach as well without question and somebody somebody that I think gets overlooked a lot when you start talking movie coaches is Mickey Goldmill from Rocky Mick yes this this dude took some nobody from Philly and made him a world champion and had some of the best gritty gravelly voiced one-liners out there <laughs> uh, and, and so so much so he literally gave his life for his boxer mm-hmm. like I, I mean and who didn't who didn't who didn't die a little bit inside when Mick died in Rocky three if you didn't, if you didn't feel that, you're not human, and I don't want to talk to you anymore. That's my favorite Rocky movie is Rocky Three. So <laughs> that's, it's hard not to be. It's that's why when I was, when you said Rocky Four, I'm like Rocky Four is good, but it, other than say the montage and the I will break you part and him beating kind of drag uh, Ivan, there's not really too much into it where. Rocky three, not to get too far off topic, you he gets sucked back into just being this raw fighter once again after Clubber Lang just destroys everybody. Then it got back to the purity of Rocky, where Rocky four it did, but it seemed very pushed Cold Warish to me over Rocky. Absolutely. But yeah, I. I, I think, you know, so looking through like uh, like Tony D'Amato for any given Sunday. Yes. Uh, like a great speech, an absolutely great speech. The mm-hmm. Game of Inches speech may be one of the best things in cinema ever. But Tony D'Amato in that movie is not a great coach. No. You know, here, here's a guy who puts his, you know, your, your Jim Kelly, Dan Marino modeled after stud future hall of famer and you put him in harm's way to cripple himself and your backup's not ready to play and he gets hurt and now you're stuck with this kid who's got all the talent in the world and if you play a little bit you still don't really want him and then you steal him from the team when you leave at the end of the season like again great speech i don't (laughs) think you're a great coach like made for a good movie but i mean i don't know Again, we're talking. If we if we want to talk, what what makes a good coach? Being the guy that's unwilling to change until you get proven wrong, and then you say, "Oh, I'm going to take this guy elsewhere and be successful because I now believe in him." I don't know. Yeah. That's not a good coach to me. I liked. I didn't think Al Pacino was very believable as a football coach. <laughs> I mean, just yeah. how he is, I did not like him for that casting role. Uh but I could see where you're saying with that. He, 
that whole movie seemed very off to me and it seemed like it was almost ripped like uh Al P- Tony Damata was a Don Shula type character and you yeah. mentioned uh who was it Randy Randy Quaid's character was it Randy Quaid I get him and the comedian mixed up uh the quarterback he reminded me of more of a Joe Montana yeah okay but the I that's what I I got out of that. I believe I believe, I believe that's Dennis Quaid. Dennis Quaid. See, I get him and Randy Quaid mixed up. <laughs> I, I do that all the time. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. He didn't. He didn't seem to want to change. He didn't seem innovative. A lot of times when you watch a movie, like a sports movie, kind of like here we go. Remember the Titans. You have these two coaches that are divided. Uh, the one coach stays, you know, to become the defensive, help out on the defensive coordinator. They sit the one player. He takes out his middle linebacker and he says, okay, well, you're faster than this guy. So we're going to go throw you in there and we're going to put you in and we're going to try and, and we're going to see what you can do. And he starts shutting down people when you put in PD. And it would seem like a little bit more innovative and change where like you said, with any given Sunday, it just seemed like the same thing over and over and over again. And I think Oliver Stone just focused more on the violence of football than the actual art of football, which is very, <laughs> you can't do that. Right. I'll tell you, I, I think this is, this movie, in my opinion, is so underrated and so it's not well known enough is mystery Alaska and Burt Reynolds plays judge Walter Burns, who ends up being a great coach and ends up, you know, kind of coming around like at the beginning of the year or the beginning of the, uh, the movie, he, he wants nothing to do with the Saturday game. He wants nothing to do with this whole, you know, mystery Alaska versus the New York Rangers idea and everything else. And then he ends up being, you know, the bench boss on that team and doing a fantastic job doing it and you kind of you kind of see where he's coming from he's got that older take like listen th- th- this hockey game is all we have we're a small town of maybe 500 people this is all we have if you know we think we're damn good if the new york rangers come here and prove that we're not now what now our entire history has been a joke i've never seen that movie <laughs> oh my god I, my, oh, so many people tell me that it makes me so mad it's so good my friend, uh, he's huge in the hockey. He, he, he's told me about the movie before. Uh, pretty much the only adult hockey movie I've ever watched, kind of, is Slapshot. Paul Newman as the coach. Where oh, yeah. That's kind of another one of those situations where he's like, we have one shot. Uh, this town is falling apart. Everybody's losing their jobs. Nobody's coming. So what can we do? And they just start fighting and just beating the crap out of everybody and everybody's into the change, but one player. And I always thought that was a great movie because in a way he adapted into what people wanted, but he kind of, in a way he lost his way and the purity of the game. So he's kind of in that same way, of Al Pacino's character is, is he a good coach because he did this or 
is he just a piece of crap because he was just trying to make money? <laughs> right. Uh, you know, staying, staying on the hockey movie uh, thing, especially with, you know, funny one-liners is uh, the movie Goon. I recommend the yep. first one. The second one's not. Like, once you see the first one, you're like, oh, this is funny. This is a great movie. And then you see the second one, you're like, okay, they overdid it. But uh, Kim Cotes plays Ronnie Hort, uh, Hort, Hort, Hortens. I don't know how to say his last name. But he's the coach of the Halifax Highlanders in the movie The Goon. And, um, you know, you, you want to talk about, you know, great one-liners. Here's, here's a great one for it. Yeah, you've done it. You've done it before, you pussy, and I know you fuck your players. Don't deny it. Fantastic one-liner. I apologize if this is meant to be yeah. PG-13. But, I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's, we'll go with that. I apologize. I should have. I'll I get the I, E. I'll get the E up there. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, we'll but, I mean, you know, it, it's a great movie about a dude who, you know, couldn't even skate and was just a bouncer with, you know, didn't really have a whole lot between his ears, and yeah. they end up, you know, telling that story. But, He's, you know, a, a, not a not a great coach, but he's hilarious in the movie. Yeah, I, I the minute you said goon, I knew it was gonna happen because when I started watching it, it was I've watched it and it was like a Saturday afternoon, and I saw it on Netflix and I'm thinking to myself, okay, I'm gonna watch this, and then my my kids are in the living room just doing whatever, not paying attention, and all of a sudden I turn it on. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> the beginning happens, and I'm like, this isn't good. Turn it off, turn it off, turn it off. So the minute you said goon, I kind of knew where it was going. That's my bad. No, that's fine. I mean, there's <laughs> so many. Another, you want to talk about a redemption story is you could go, and you could go a league of their own with Jimmy Dugan. Oh, Tom Hanks Jimmy Dugan. Jimmy, you can't forget about Jimmy Dugan. Love Jimmy Dugan. Yes. Jimmy Jimmy Dugan may be one of the worst and best coaches ever at the same time. Uh, would you, okay. The only other coach that I could think of in a baseball movie that may be worse than Jimmy Dugan is Morris Buttermaker. Absolutely. And I'm not talking Absolutely. about Absolutely. And if you watch the remake Bad News Bears, uh what is his name? Well, Billy Bob Thornton is a very toned down version of what Walter Matthau's character was in the original, right. I feel. So I mean, I think they're kind of on par with each other, but Jimmy Dugan it's probably the best one-liner ever, and it still is used today. I mean, I hear it. I, was, I wasn't, I was like, a big-time baseball coach, but I coached my son's <laughs> t-ball team, which was way different than I thought. Uh, but there's no crying in baseball. And I no. That sums up everything. Oh, he, he's loaded with one-liners. It's great. Uh, you know, the, the scene where he gets off, you know, that the, the – Lou, the bus driver, quits, and you know he wakes up and he's like, "Why are we stopped?" Lou quit. Who's Lou? <laughs> like, it just it, it's it's great. Like, I can't get back on the bus. I love it when he. I 
me and me and my buddy quote that all the time. Like just out of nowhere, it'll pop out of one of our mouths. Like it just we just roll with it. It's awesome. We uh, I love it when he throws. What I can't remember what he throws at Stewell, and he's doing uh, the a glove. a glove, and he just whips it, and the kid goes down. Yeah, that was Jimmy Dugan and Moyer's Buttermaker. I think are you could put them in the best, worst baseball coaches of all time. Because I, I love the original Bad News Bears. Buttermaker is the best. Here, I I haven't seen that in a long time, but that that's on my list of uh, to be rewatched. In today's world, um, it did it doesn't age well. <laughs> no. I don't mind that stuff, but I watched it not too long ago, and I noticed. Uh, 1970s Bad News Bears did not age into the 2000s. I mean, we live we live in a world right now where like a show that came out like Friends didn't age well, no. and that, that that didn't age well over ten years, let alone four decades. Like, mm-hmm. but still hilarious. Yes, nonetheless. You know, wait, wait, wait till your kids are older to show them that and explain to them like, listen, it was a different time. Oh, they've they've already watched it. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I've I explained. Th- I explained. There's certain things. They've watched uh, uh, Police Academy, the original. They're perfect. So, so, perfect. That's uh, that's a great tune-up. Yeah. So I, I mean, there's certain things I let go, and then I got to pause and go, don't say this ever. <laughs> you can laugh at it. Don't say it ever. Don't do this. Don't do that. You will get into trouble. We can watch this movie. Uh, don't tell your mother is another line <laughs> that I say a lot during this time. Uh, I can't. I can't imagine why. <laughs> here's a here's a here's a movie with two coaches and their brothers. If you can kind of pick up what I'm going with, in Little Giants. Oh God, Danny. I mean, here's Dan, oh, let's go ahead. Oh, uh, just <laughs> I I, lo- I love Little Giants. I love it. But what, like, when you want to talk, like these are two just terrible movie coaches like this is this is the definition of one one guy breaks off because his, his daughter doesn't make the team i know she should have she absolutely should have yes. been on that on that cowboys team but because she doesn't we get that daddy ball thing of i'm gonna break off and make my own team and you know this that, that he turns into a great coach and finds a way for this ragtag group of kids to, to pull out a pull out a w and on the other end if you're it's Kevin, right? It's the older one, the one yeah. that everybody loves. Yeah. Um, Ed O'Neill's character. Yeah. So if you like, if you're Kevin, you're like that team. You know, the the Giants had two kids that belonged on a football field. The rest of them, probably not. And you lost to that team. You should never coach again. I mean, if like the, the, this is the equivalent of like you know if oh, if they beat us, I'll you know I'll eat a paper towel. Yeah, <laughs> little little yeah. shout out to Matt there. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean that's like well, oh, such such a great movie though. That goes with another great uh, movie speech. If you think about it at the end, one time, one time, one time. That's all it takes. Is you just got to beat them one time. I enjoy this movie because I'm the little brother. And I mean, I wasn't ever kicked out of the games, but my brother would invite me to play with him and his friends. Right. 
Um, not so much only because maybe they needed a person and then they would just constantly lay into me every five seconds. So that was always, <laughs> that was always interesting with me growing up, but that's a, that's a class. He's classic. Uh, I, I love those. And I was just looking through some, you know, just searching the internet, kind of probably what you're doing. And we got, and I was looking, and there's some people that I would never think of. And you got John Candy as, as Irv Blazer and Cool Runnings as a coach. Oh, that, yeah. That's oh. a terrible coach. That's a terrible just coach. Awful. Just awful. <laughs> I love it. He is just absolutely terrible. He's almost like the Jimmy Dugan of bobsledding. We'll go that route. <laughs> the Jimmy Dugan of bobsledding. <laughs> uh, how about how about Billy Haywood in Little Big League? Oh, I'm not a fan. I when I saw that in the movies, I thought that was the greatest thing alive. And if I don't think as a kid, I pick that movie apart so badly. I don't know why, but Billy Hayward is definitely, he just like threw himself into that position too. That's almost. Right. And like, so, so this is not only, this is bad parenting because <laughs> what parent lets their, their 12 year old who just became the sole heir to a major league baseball team. What, what parent looks at that and says, yeah, you know what? This is a good idea. You can totally do this. Oh, now you want to be the manager, which means you're traveling with the team and everything else like okay well you know that's uh that's cool let's let, let's let you do that i'm sorry what that's what i'm saying what did i was i don't know how old i was but i was over the age of 10 probably around the same age as billy hayward i was like this is great this is the best who could get this now i'm looking at it as where's the chaperone where is anything going on kind of like what you said and he talks about baseball cards with a player. So is he even taking this seriously or is he just doing some sort of like baseball Madden with this? Where he's just... That's exactly what it is. This is a kid. You know, he doesn't have a clue. We don't know what he's doing. And uh, such a bad coach, bad parenting, bad coaching all around. Yes. You know, and, and that, that can be said about the, uh, the coach from rookie of the year too, because who wants a 12 year old on the mound? I don't care that he throws 99. Well, that's he was forced. Daniel Stern's character was a bad coach. Yeah, <laughs> very bad coach with his uh, hot with his hot ice. <laughs> heat up the ice cubes. The yeah. best whole worlds. <laughs> Here's the, this is one like I was just searching, and they got a uh, Mr. Miyagi. Mr. Miyagi, that, I am one hundred percent behind this until Daniel wins with an illegal head kick. Then I'm out. Okay. Now, we, I don't know if you know this, but our mutual friend's great uncle played the referee. Really? Matt, Matt Johnson's uncle, Pat Johnson, is the referee in the Karate Kid. Oh, that's awesome. So whenever somebody says that, I like stick up for the honor of the Johnson family. I'm like, no, <laughs> no, I know his great nephew. There's no way. Yes. So you're dealing with Karate Kid kind of royalty when we talk to Matt, so. Oh, I, I will keep that in mind. Yes, he is, 
His great uncle is the referee in the Karate Kid. And he also did uh, the stunt coordinating for uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the movie, the live action movies in the 90s, nice. and, Mortal, and Mortal Kombat. The first one or both? Uh, both, I believe. I know definitely the first one, and I think they brought him back for the second one he was saying. Oh, yeah, they did uh, Retropop, did a whole thing on Mr. Pat Johnson. That's he awesome. Was, he was trained by Chuck Norris, so. That's awesome, too. Yeah. But, but so I get a little. Uh, I, I Listen, I understand. I understand. And listen, I, the fact that Mr. Miyagi makes it through not only the, the first three, but then there's another one. Yes. And he turns that girl into a badass too. Yes. I, I mean, so I, I can I can I can look I can look beyond the illegal head kick. I think when you got Karate Kid shows you the best of both worlds too. Cause you got John Kreese, who is an absolute well, we broke into the absolute asshole to every single one of his students, but yet they follow him blindly because they think that's what they have to do. And then you got Mr. Miyagi, who does everything so metaphorically and calm and teaches, you know, you're learning without learning. And I think that's one of the great things about Mr. Miyagi. And I think he does get lost as somebody not seeing him as a coach because it's karate. So, and I have a fairly extensive martial arts background. Um, you know, I started when I was four years old and have never really stopped training and have, you know, mm -hmm. crossed over multiple dis disciplines over the years. And the thing that I find with when it comes to karate and martial arts coaching is what he did with the whole, you know, I mean, and he took it to an extreme, you know, the paint the fence, paint the house, wax on, wax off, all that stuff. You know, I've, I've seen countless countless like high-end martial arts teachers use things like that to get you to understand the body motion because you don't know how to like you don't know how to throw a punch you don't know how to throw a kick but like if you talk about you know something you do know how to do and can equate the two and it's something that you know me as a coach because you know, that is something i do in my in my you know in my my downtime we'll call it um you know you find ways to relate to a kid because if, if you knew what i was talking about I wouldn't have to teach you it. So I have to equate to other things. Yeah. Um, you know, so in finding, finding, you're teaching a kid emotion, you know, the, the, the paint the fence that all of a sudden like, oh, look, I just blocked something. Like, that's really cool. And that's a fantastic teaching tool. So yeah, he is a great movie coach. Yeah, I got it. When it comes to karate, my sons both took karate and my oldest son isn't, he's played sports, but it's not, it's not too big for him. And what I've noticed, and you, you've, I know you coach, I think baseball and stuff as well, yep. is it's come into where it's look at my kid and my son always seems to get stuck on one of those look at my kid teams. Like he played basketball and it wasn't – the coach was okay at first, but then he got to the point as the season went on, it was, I'm going to take my son and his friends and I'm going to develop them. And these other guys can pass a ball around. 
And that's it. So, and then we put him into karate and he was in karate before, you know, the whole Corona. And then we moved, just moved to Texas. So before we could, you know, he got any farther, but I noticed the way different attitude when he was at karate and it was a much more calm atmosphere. And he, and when he made a mistake, he wasn't scolded as he was, when it came to, you know, baseball or basketball in that aspect. And uh, I got to say, like, I, I thought karate was doing really good for him, but unfortunately Corona and then we had to move. I'd like to try and get him back in at some point, but karate was like amazing. And his face lit up more than it did with any other sport as well. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a different world. I can tell you that much. But um, you know, especially, and, and I can tell you from a coaching standpoint that you know, I as a coach, I refuse to jump on a kid, belittle a kid for a physical mistake. Yeah, you know, if you like, you're you're it's going to happen, especially in baseball. I mean, it's it's a game rooted in failure. Seventy percent of the time, you fail, and you're one of the best that's ever done it. Like, I think, I think the worst thing I did when I was coaching t-ball is. Um, there was a kid and I had a great group of kids. I got to admit, like I was coaching anywhere between four and six years old. And my wife, who was like my biggest critic in the world, even came up to me and was like, she was like, that team is really disciplined. And I'm like, what are you talking about? She was like, your kids don't play in the dirt. They, you know, they're not always ready, but they stand there. And when you guys tell them to get ready, they get ready. So I, I was like, wow, actually shocked with that. But there was a kid and he was a really good hitter when he actually got a hold of the ball, but he wanted to King Kong it every five seconds. Like every time a ball went by him, he would swing and King Kong it. And the one thing that I was trying to teach the kids too, um, especially with him, are you swinging to swing or are you swinging to hit the ball? <laughs> that was one thing yep. that I, I didn't say it in that manner, but that's what I was trying to get out to them. And Absolutely. so when he did connect, the ball would fly. And the one day we were sitting there, you know, you do the little round circle and we're sitting there and we're talking and he's talking about the hits, you know, oh, I, I did this hit, I did this hit. And I had to try to explain to him that, that's awesome that you can hit the ball that far and everything else. But if you can't stop it defensively, then you're not a complete player. And I think that was one thing that I definitely was always trying to teach my kids is that you want to be good at every aspect of the game, just not great at one. It's Absolutely. Okay. But that was, T-ball was pretty crazy. My wife was trying to tell me in the beginning, she was like, she was like, uh, you got to teach them to run through first. And I said, yeah, I know. But the problem is, is I got to teach them to run to first before I can teach them how to run through <laughs> first. So <laughs> I have to ask, did, did you ever run into the instance of a kid running to the wrong base, like where he ran to third instead of first? No, because I had two really great coaches. Uh, okay. And they were both parents on the team. And we broke it down into more uh, stages 
one kid would go into hitting, we would try and work on their throwing with them. And the other one would be like a base running game. I've seen it happen, but not on, it wasn't on my team. <laughs> I gotta say that. It was I, I, I know, I know guys that uh, they love, they love teaching T-ball and stuff like that. And they say, you know, one, once a year, every once a year, I see a kid hit a ball and it's like, it's always, this kid hits an absolute rocket for that age and runs the wrong way. Yeah. <laughs> You know, but it's, it's the excitement of, oh, I got to really got to hold the one. And I'm going to run and like, no, other way, other way. The worst thing I, the worst thing I ever had to do was, uh, I figured coach, like my dad coached Lily for years. So I was thinking coach, I could sit on the bench and that's it. Um, but no, you're constantly, I had to do the pitching for them. And then I was in the field. So we were staging, you know, in each area and there was a kid who wasn't, paying attention he had his head down and kind of kicking the dirt and he was on my team and there was a kid rounding second and he was playing shortstop and I felt bad for doing it but I had to or this was going to be a bad injury and I grabbed the kid by the back of the shirt with one hand and I yanked him back as hard as I could (laughs) (laughs) and after that I looked around and his mom was talking to one of the other moms and I'm like oh my goodness thank god she did not see that I, but I yeah, had. Uh, it was. It, it, uh, I I I refer, I refer to coaching kids that young as herding cats because good luck. Yes. It's you know your head's got to be on a swivel and you're still going to miss stuff. So I, 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 I don't I don't envy that and I, I haven't had to do it yet. I'm sure you know when I have kids of my own I'll I'll be there but you know I'm, I'm still 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 doing the older guys so you know, <laughs> and, and, and it's funny because you they get to a certain age where. You know, you got to realize that the and, and just to stem this back into our movie coach talk, yeah. the yeah, we're all way like, off topic. Part of, part of part of part of the the biggest part of coaching is you know a, a good friend of mine who's also the coach and has coached me in the past has you know has always said that the coaching players is realizing that every player has a set of buttons on their chest and your mm-hmm. job is to push the buttons that get them to do the best that they can do and understand that sometimes you can push the wrong button and it causes the wrong result. You know, some kids that in the past that I've had that I could look at and say, Hey, you know, get your head out of your ass. We got, you know, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to be doing it. Let's get it done. And that can be like, yeah, you're right. Let's go. And other kids got to be like, Hey, listen, you know, I know you're trying real hard here, but you know, this is, this is something we got to look for when this happens. Okay. And like, and be a little bit more supportive. Some guys you can light the fire. Other guys, you got to, you know, kind of rub, rub their head a little bit, pat them on the back and say, let's try it. Let's, you know, try it a little differently next time. And I think when you talk, you know, in your movie coaches, and this is going to stem me into who is my hands down favorite. And I think best movie coach is Lou Brown from yes. major league. Um, here's a dude who was handed a dumpster fire from an owner who wanted to lose so she could move the team. Here's a guy who hits absolute rockets, can't touch a curveball. Here's your aging third baseman who has such an attitude prima donna problem that he can basically say, I don't want to do that because it's in my contract. A, you know, a catcher whose knees are so bad, he's probably going to need the knee replacement midseason and he's you're still going to have to catch because you don't have another one. Um, you know, a, a pitcher who's got to put Bardal, Vagisil, and um, I don't remember, you know, I can't. like I don't, I, that, that, which is one of the greatest scenes of that movie. 
Bardal, Magisil, Crisco. Bye. Um, <laughs> the, the umpires really look pay attention where you get a little, little, little rubble of jalapeno up your nose, get it running, real good. <laughs> you you put snot on the baseball. Like and this is the this is the ace. This isn't like a mid reliever. This is the guy who sees mm-hmm. some innings. That's your dude. That's your hammer. And Lou Brown finds a way to get these guys to get the W and get the win. I my favorite scene in that movie, it it deals with Harris, the pitcher. It's when he's uh Serrano is trying to get you know, giving the offerings to Joe Boo, the rum and the cigar, so he can hit a curveball. And then Harris talks about Jesus, <laughs> Jesus, and he's like, ah, Jesus, he's nice, but he know help hit I, a curveball. I like him very much. Yeah. You trying to tell me Jesus Christ can't hit a curveball? That is the greatest <laughs> line I've ever heard in any movie. I oh, that, that, that movie's loaded with one-liners. And, 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 to, and here you go, to Lou Brown's credit, he then takes... Uh, the same group of the same group of dudes, and you got you know Willie Mays Hayes, who comes back as a prima donna who no longer looks like Wesley Snipes and looks more like uh, you know the guy from House, and is wearing you know the like the, the chains, and is you know then he's got Rube Baker who can't throw the ball back to the pitcher, and you know Wild Thing who lost you know twelve miles on his fastball because he's trying to protect his arm. The Terminator, um, the you know, the, yeah, the Terminator, the Dominator, and the Eliminator, more like the Seeolator, because on top of that, you've got the greatest play-by-play guy in movies ever. Oh. So, shout out to that. But um, yeah. you know, and Lou Brown finds a way to turn that team around with the help of Jake Taylor, who can no longer catch but turns into a pretty damn good manager. He does. So to kind of honorable wrap- mention on that one. Yeah, to wrap things up, I don't want to do like a top five, but maybe go with the, we'll go four major sports, hockey, football, basketball, and then, because we, and then, you know, one, one non, so one non-major sport coach for each one. So who do you, who do you got for your four and then your one non-four major sport? So baseball has got it, like I said, we just covered Lou Brown. Um, Hockey, you got to go with the movie adaptation of Herb Brooks. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that, for me at least, that I think that's hands down the winner. Um, Basketball, I'm going to go off color here. Jackie Moon. Jackie, Jackie Moon from Semi Pro. I was waiting for Jackie Moon because that was one thing we didn't really touch on. I was going to mention Jackie Moon. Um, um, you know, I mean, there's that. That's just a guy who's you know willing to do whatever he can to save his franchise, and you know may not necessarily always like what's going on in the team to make the team better, but he you know, he let it he let it happen. He found a way. I love his line in the. He movie. fought a bear. Yeah, I love the line where he's like, "I'm not a tactician, Mox. Not like you." <laughs> Um, as far as football goes, that's tough. Um, it's, it, it's, got, it's gotta be, uh, for the replacements. Like I blanked out his name. Uh, it's Gene Hackman's character. I, I said his name earlier, literally 10, 10, 15 minutes ago. What? It... Jimmy McGinty. There it is. Yeah, no Jimmy coach, McGinty. No coach Klein from Waterboy. 
No, no, he sucks. Coach, <laughs> Clyde, Coach Clyde is unofficially on the suck list. For those of you who, for those of you who listen to Hats, Tats, and Stats, you know what that's about. But no, Jimmy McGinty, again, you're, you're handed a ragtag group of dudes who don't belong on a football field, according to everybody, and you, you at the end of the movie, you clinch a playoff berth by beating an entire team that's crossed the picket line. That would be the equivalent of a group of, like, a, a, an all-star group of XFL guys beating the Dallas Cowboys. That's happening. I'm not, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not shocked that that would be a thing. That ha- Well, that, that happened. 87 strike season. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that, the, 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 um, I think that's what it's based on. I think that's why they're, like, in Washington and everything. Because there was an actual guy that was in jail for the Redskins that got, I think, got out to play for the Redskins. But he wasn't like that big star like he was in in the replacements. Yeah. And then then my my non-big four, um, this is going to be a little bit, this is kind of going off the Mr. Miyagi thing. But uh, for those of you who don't know who Michael Jow White is, he is a fantastic martial artist, and he's stemmed into uh, movies. He played. Uh, he was in. He was uh, in Blood and Bone. Uh, he's been in a couple of the Never Back Down movies as the coach. I will get you some actual uh, filmology here. <laughs> Let's see. He was in Blood and Bone, Never Back Down, Undisputed. Uh, never back down the beatdown. Uh, he actually played Spawn in the Spawn movie. This dude is a hardcore, legit badass, and he plays a coach in multiple different uh, MMA movies. And every time he does it, he's just unsurpassed. Uh, as good as Mr. Miyagi is in what he does, um, you know, the, the fact that this is a dude who takes real life, real world training. And has stemmed it into playing that role in movies. I he's one of my favorite actors, to be honest with you. Okay. Uh, mine, uh, baseball. It's Lou Brown. When you know the whole motivation thing by putting the owner in there, and then after they win a game, they get to take a piece off of the off of the cardboard cutout to reveal her until she's pretty much naked was just great in every way. Uh, football, I mentioned Wally Rigondor from Unnecessary Roughness, just a hard-nosed guy, no nonsense. He brings back Scott Bakula. Brings back Scott Bakula, calls him out. to bring him in and everything else. Uh, hockey, I would definitely go with Herb Brooks because he wants to – he's going to ride you, but it's only to make you better. Definitely that's one of the great things that I love about that. And for basketball, Coach Carter. I yeah, think, that's, a, that, that's a good one too. That's a guy that I would want to play for because he's putting – it doesn't seem like it at first, but he's putting the person before the player and everything else. And that's the one thing that I really liked about it. And the whole speech that the kid tells about that his greatest fear is not being inadequate, but being better than everybody else is just really great and powerful. 
I love that. Uh, did I get them all? Yeah. Yes. Oh, oh, my one non. Y'all, there you go. My one non. Uh, I had it. And I'm going to go a little off colored. Can I? I wouldn't, if I'm doing dodgeball, I want patches of Hulan. Absolutely. I'm gonna go How dodge. did we not get here sooner? I don't know, but Patches O'Houlihan. If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge, you dodge a ball. ball. If, you can, if you can dodge a car, you can dodge a ball. Oh, best, one of the best lines, too. Is this really necessary? No, but is drinking my own urine? <laughs> oh, no. Is this really necessary? And he's like, no, but is me drinking my own urine? But I like the no, but I like the taste no, or something. Sterling, I like the taste. Yeah, it's sterling. That's my guy. Patches Olhuan. He He's also up. has one of the greatest post one uh, post humanist one liners with the uh, and it's actually just it's about him where you know I don't know what you want me to say I I, I really don't think that Hallmark sells a sorry your coach just got crushed by two tons of irony card. <laughs> Uh, how did how did it take so long to get the patches of Hulahan? I don't know. He's the innovator of dodgeball. He came up he with the is. five. He came up with the five D's. Oh, God. The patches There's so many jokes there. The patches of Hulahan is is going to be my guy. All the Without way. question, I support that wholeheartedly. I mean, the other guys that we could have mentioned non-sports. You had Chubbs. <laughs> no. Yep. yep. Chubbs is yeah, there, there were there were there were I saw I, I found a list that I, I X out of X out of a little while ago. Yeah. But uh I saw there were there were a few guys that were like outliers like that that I was like, oh yeah. And then decided not to go there. So <laughs> well thank you for coming on to the show. Oh thanks for having me. I appreciate it, man. No problem, anytime. And once again to all the listeners, good morning, good afternoon. probably thinking who is this talking and what is it for well i'm here to let you know that my name's anthony and i'm the host of the vinyl divers podcast at the bicbp network on vinyl divers i like to break down my favorite albums listen to vinyl and most importantly talk music whether it be a classic rock album one week and then a deep dive into some punk history the next one thing that's certain is we're always going to have a good time so Hit subscribe, dim the lights, and let's get diving.